Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, show us, please, what you have in this passage of Scripture, what you intended when you wrote it and recorded it for us that we might be equipped for every good work. Open the eyes of our hearts and our ears to hear your Spirit speak to us. And let my words, Father, be beneficial and helpful to people. Oh, God, I pray that we would leave here today with a greater hope of thanksgiving and greater thankfulness for you because you have spoken to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So open your Bibles, please, to Luke 17, verse 11. Grateful Samaritan lepers unite and give thanks to Jesus Christ. Are you a grateful Samaritan leper? Grateful. <laughs> Samaritan? Not so much. Leper? I don't think so. But I think as we study this passage today, you will see, you'll find yourself in that man's place and hopefully enjoy what he found when he placed his faith in Jesus. You see, giving thanks to God leads us to deeper worship of who he is. This opens our hearts to receive more of his blessings and his peace and presence. And these powerful moments of, of, of awe and thankfulness just show us in a deeper way, fresh and robust ways we can enjoy his abundant life. Don't you want that? This is what I think the Samaritan leper discovered when he came to Jesus. Verse 11 of Luke 17. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went... They were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has saved you. May God bless the reading of his holy word today. So how can we give thanks to the Lord as this grateful Samaritan did? First of all, do what Jesus commands us to do when you receive his pity. Do what Jesus commands you to do when you receive his pity. Verses 11 to 12 say, Now on his way to Jerusalem, he was traveling to Jerusalem because he was going there to announce who he was as Messiah. He was sending people ahead of him to publish the news, the good news. And he was leaving northern Israel, going along the border there between Samaria, the country that Jews don't go through, and as he was going, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood 
at a distance. See, leprosy was greatly feared by the Jews in Jerusalem and Israel, not only because of the physical damage done to their bodies, but because of the strict isolation laws that made these people feel like outcasts, unacceptable, alone. The Bible says in Leviticus 13, 45 to 46, the leper must wear torn clothes and let the hair be unkempt. And he shall cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He must live alone outside the camp. So I understand that a leper wasn't allowed to come within six feet of other people. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> they couldn't even be that close to their own family members. And they had to wear masks. I see several lepers out there already, so. <laughs> Interesting. The disease was considered so revolting that a leper wasn't permitted to come within 150 feet of anybody if there was the slightest wind, lest that contagion blow over them and they catch this contagion, this disease. And so lepers lived away from their families, isolated until they got better or died, in a leper colony perhaps, like these 10 men actually held together. The leper was considered ceremonially unclean, physically and spiritually, and they were excommunicated from the synagogue and from the temple. They couldn't come to worship God. You had to stay outside the camp. I imagine the Ethiopian eunuch who was saved when Philip came to him at the chariot. This man had been castrated. He was emasculated, and so he wasn't allowed to go to the temple, this Ethiopian who wanted to know God. So he sat in his chariot reading the scrolls. In Isaiah 53, in chapter 56, it says that no one who's emasculated can enter the temple area. And now the eunuch found out that he had access to the very God that he had gone to worship. And yet these lepers didn't know about that. In fact, unless they were ceremonially certified as cleansed, nobody would have anything to do with them. I read about one rabbi who would not even buy an egg purchased in the same street of the market if a leper was in anywhere in the area. I read about another rabbi who, when he saw a leper coming, when the leper shouted unclean, he'd pick up rocks and throw them at him. That's a welcoming gesture, isn't it? But the attitude of Jesus towards lepers was remarkable. He touched a leper. He healed lepers. And these other lepers knew it. I read in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, that a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant. He reached out, he was indignant to the other people around him, reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sent him out with a stern, strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone about this, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded of your cleansing as a testimony to them. 
Jesus was sending this cleansed leper to the temple to say, there's a man out there who is performing a miracle that only Messiah could do. But what did this leper do? He went and he told everybody, I'm, I'm clean. He went to stay out, tell his family. And other people in the leper community heard about it, evidently. Maybe that's how these 10 lepers heard that Jesus had the power to heal them of leprosy. And he was in the area. And this was their chance for being healed. So when they saw Jesus passing by, they didn't ask for alms, as was customary. They asked for one thing, healing. They called out in a loud voice in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They addressed Jesus as Master, not as Rabbi, not as Teacher, not as Lord, but as master, that's a rare word, and it's used only in Luke. In fact, Peter called Jesus master when Jesus said, let's go out to the deeper water after you fished all night. Okay, master, we'll do what you ask us. It's a sign of you're the boss, you're the one that has authority. And they ask him for his pity. Interesting word. That's significant kindness to another person who has a need, but they have no right to that kindness, and they could never repay that kindness. And they asked the right one, don't you think? Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high or great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, to infinity. As far as he has removed his transgressions from us, as a father has pity, compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed, that we're but dust. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. We don't deserve it. We can't repay you for the favor. But look at us. There's no way for us to be healed unless you do something. In verse 14, Luke 17, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And that's what you would do when you were healed of leprosy, to go and be certified as cleansed. And as they went, they were cleansed. Took off their mask. They had lips. They looked at their hands and fingers. Maybe their fingers grew back where there were nubs. They looked at their feet and there weren't any sores there. Or there were toes there. And they realized he just spoke the word. And they, they obeyed what he said. And they were cleansed. The connection is clear, don't you think? At the moment of Jesus' instruction, they were still lepers. No physical change had taken place, but in faith, they obeyed what Jesus told them to do, and they were healed. We need to act in faith when Jesus shows you, shows you his pity, doesn't he? What does he tell us to do next? 
Jesus, it seems, or I read in the scriptures, always required faith on the part of the person who asked to be healed. Many times he said, do you believe I can do this? And he required a demonstration of faith on the part of the lepers and asking them to walk away even before he healed them. They obeyed, they were healed. So how can I say thanks for the things you've done for me? Why didn't these lepers go back and do that? And with us, we need to do what Jesus commands you to do when you receive his pity, when you receive his compassion, when you've experienced his kindness. And you know what that one thing is? Repent. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? They had experienced God's kindness. Were they showing contempt for that by not going back and thanking the one who healed them? When God touches us with his kindness, we should repent and go back like this one did. All ten lepers acted in faith and, and went away and had their le leprosy cleansed, but only one came back. Only one repented. That's what repent means, to come back. He came back and he thanked Jesus. Verses 15 to 16, how can I say thanks? Give thankful worship to the Lord, and the word Lord is capitalized on purpose. The Lord Jesus for his pity. Verse 15 says, one of them, when he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Here's one who turned around. Here's one who knew that he had received a marvelous act of kindness that rescued him from the doom of isolation and being ostracized and unfit. He came back and thanked him, praising God in a loud voice. You see, when you realize you have been touched by his kindness, who do you praise? Well, doctor, I thank you for healing me. No doctors treat, but God heals. When you have been delivered from some major issue in your life, who do you thank? I'm glad I figured that out. No, God, you gave me the wisdom. You protected me. I praise the God of heaven. And when you do that, it opens your heart to greater blessings from the Lord. So does the good Samaritan call Jesus master? No, but he acknowledges him as God. And how does he do that? Verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now, that expression or that posture of throwing yourself at somebody's feet is unusual. When people did that to angels, they said, get up, you're, I, we're not God. Only God deserves this kind of worship. And Jesus allowed this man to, to stay there prostrate in front of him. The man didn't trip over. He purposely fell in the presence of holiness. He's standing in the presence of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, God, Yahweh, and thanked him. That's how we give thanks to the Lord. 
Jesus. He is Lord. Now, Johnny, I think it's Erickson, the lady who's crippled in a wheelchair for years because she dived off the dock and broke her, spine, her spinal cord. She wrote this. I want to share it with you. Thank you in Spanish is muchas gracias or much grace. So when you're thanking someone in Spanish, you're actually saying, you have shown me much grace. I don't deserve your favor or kindness. Lord Jesus, muchas gracias. I don't deserve any of this, this goodness you've given to me. And in French, they say, thank you, merci, which is mercy. When someone says that in French, it says, you have shown me mercy by giving me this gift. And as we taught our children, when someone gives you a gift, what do you say? Muchas gracias. <laughs> thank you. And when you truly thank God and bless Him from the heart, you're acknowledging that I'm at your mercy, Lord, and I'm humbled by your grace and favor. Grace and mercy are, are the essence, Johnny writes, of the essence of gratitude. That's thanksgiving. And then back in Luke 17, Dr. Luke writes this about the leper. And he was a Samaritan. You know about Samaritans, don't you? Jesus met the woman at the well. The Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. What are you doing walking into our town? And I think Luke withholds this detail about this man's ethnicity. Now to give a dramatic effect, highlight, to contrast it with the Jews for their unbelief. He came into his own and his own received him not, but these Samaritans got it. This is the Son of God who told me everything I ever did. Could this not be the Messiah? So that's kind of a backstory to what's going on here. The Samaritan man was, was with the Jews. It's interesting that when you are greatly ill and you're isolated and you have the same disease, you hang out with people who have the same disease, thinking that people are diabetics and they go and they get their transfusions and they form a company of people there as they sit around the, in the room together and they all receive their transfusions. Misery loves company. And so Jew and Gentile, the cultural, social barriers were down because we all have one common need. We're we are lepers. And we're lonely. And look at verse 17 of Luke 17. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Well, maybe Jesus thought these other nine were ungrateful and they seemed to be and that he was disappointed in that. You should be thanking me. Maybe that's what he thought. You know, maybe the ungrateful nine thought they were entitled to this because they were Jews. Messiah comes, he heals the lepers, we got this. It reminds me of people that are self-made people. Everything I have, I earned it myself. You know people like that? I don't need anybody or anything. I'm on, I'm on my own. I got this. I'm, I worked hard. I earned all this money by myself. Who is the one who gives us wealth, the Bible tells us? God, Deuteronomy 28. He's the one who does that. Who's the one who gave you life and breath to earn this? Who gave you the gifts and talent and schedule and opportunities? It was God, but sometimes proud people 
don't get it. Their favorite song is Frank Sinatra's, I did it my way. I took the blows and let the record show, I did it my way. Well, you're still a leper. You see, Psalm 5 says that the arrogant cannot stand in God's presence. Arrogant. Lord, thank you that I'm not a sinner like one of those tax collectors. That's arrogance. To be humble and broken is say, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I can't even look up to heaven. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, which we'll be talking about in January, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To know you're a broken person, a needy person, that indeed like a leper, and leprosy is often the symbol of, of what's going on inside of us deeply, our spiritual poverty. I can't do this. It's humanly impossible to live the Christian life unless, God, you help me. I need you. And if you're not teachable, you're not going to learn. Somebody says people are what they're taught. And I say, well, that's partly true. People are willing or are, are what they're willing to learn. And the proud and arrogant are willing to learn anything. They got it figured out. You could be wrong. So let's not take God's blessings for granted. Jesus said the healthy don't need a doctor. Who does? The sick. And that's who he came to heal. This Samaritan, this racial outcast, this one who's a leper. I came for him who has no ability to heal himself who's the very symbol of spiritual poverty. I came to all ten. The ungrateful nine missed an opportunity of a lifetime, yes? They missed the opportunity of eternity to know that they were in the presence of Jesus, Messiah, and they kept walking away when they had the opportunity to come and meet this man who healed them and be saved and born again, they missed it. Gentle Savior, don't pass me by, but let me come running to you. I need you. I want to know you. I'm broken, and you healed me, and I want to give you thanks. Don't miss his greatest blessing, his eternal salvation. Let me just back up and talk about what sometimes people are proud they misunderstand that we are all objects of God's common grace. You know common grace? Jesus talks about it in Matthew 5, that he sends the rain and the sun and good harvest on the good and the bad. It's not because you're good you have a good harvest. Even the bad people have good harvest. And, and, good pe and bad people have good lives, even, even, but they didn't earn it. It's common grace. God is gracious. He's given us everything to enjoy but then if we miss it and think it's because I earned it, you've missed his grace. His saving grace, you think his common grace is enough, but there's so much more. And this comes from Satan, who deceives us and always has since the Garden of Eden. You know, God just wants to control you. You can do it on your own. You don't need to obey what he says. So just do it your way and look what where you are today when that happened. Thank you, Adam and Eve. Okay. 
What a loss for the other nine. They missed the Messiah. And I'm just trying to imagine the impact of these nine lepers showed up in Jerusalem at the temple at the same time to the same priest, and he examines them, and that's what the Levitical priest did sometimes. He acted like doctors to see their skin lesions and the scales and make sure it's not leprosy and all that. And so how did you get healed? Well, this, this guy named Jesus spoke the word and healed me. Guy number two walks up, and how did you get healed? Well, this guy named Jesus said the word, and I'm healed. And by guy number nine, do you think that Rabbi would say, enough, who is this guy? Well, he's coming to town, and his name is Jesus. But what if they'd been healed spiritually? And they'd come together as a group to the rabbi and to the priest and said, he healed me and he saved me. Do you think that would have made more positive impact? Yes. But they missed that opportunity. And so maybe Jesus' disappointment is not so much that they were ungrateful as they were, but the opportunity to have a public positive testimony of Jesus as Messiah to the, to the priest in all of Jerusalem so that when Jesus came to town, they would have joined that triumphal procession and say, Lord Jesus, save us. Hallelujah. But they didn't. When Jesus first presented his credentials of Messiahship, like he did with John the Baptist, he said, go back and tell the John the Baptist that people received their sight and the lame were healed. These were his credentials, that he was Messiah. That's the credentials he sent to the temple priest. And his claim to be Messiah is written, as it were, not on a certified document, but on human flesh. In reality, these lonely, broken, pain-filled pain people were now whole and happy and could go to their families and hug them. That's how he wrote his credential. I imagine that if someone had heard that all nine at the same time about Jesus, I think they might have placed their faith in Jesus. Luke 17, verse 18. And Jesus asked, here it goes on, this discussion. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, this racial outcast, this one who has no dealings with the Jews, this one who's this heretic who's, who's worshiping a false religion there in Sychar, this foreigner, this word foreigner was a word that was found on the, on the wall that surrounded the temple. And Jews could go past that wall, but all foreigners couldn't go any further because it said this, let no foreigner enter within the screen and enclosure surrounding the sanctuary under penalty of death. So this Samaritan could not go to the temple because he was a foreigner. He was foreign. He was not a Jew. And until the moment Jesus died on the cross, foreigners had no access to the mercy seat. And when he died on the cross, the temple veil that separated people from the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. And we have access to his throne of grace. Every person, there is no foreigner in the body of Christ. Praise God for that. And as I read about this word foreigners, I looked and I found in Ephesians 2.19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners. You who aren't Jews, you're welcome to, to the Jewish Messiah. 
I love that. How can we give thanks like the Samaritan? Do you feel like you don't fit? Do you feel like you're excluded from the temple worship? Jesus has taken down the barriers and opened up and says, Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You Samaritan, you foreigner, you Gentile, you sinner. So as I see what went on in this story that's recorded in Scripture for us, one came back to thank God for his physical healing, but he received so much more. Verse 19 we need to place our faith in the Lord Jesus to be saved. I capitalized Lord. That's what this man found out. Verse 19, Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has, well, the King James says, made you whole. The NIV says, made you well. But the Greek word has actually saved you. I think all three of these fit. First of all, eternal salvation and your body's well, but a wholeness. You know, when, you, when I've greeted you, you may have heard me say shalom. I'm not Jewish, but the Jewish word is actually a blessing for your wholeness. May you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and be whole in his presence. A wholeness that's refreshing, that, that just, that it's attractive, that's, that's in, you're integrated in all those parts. You, you, are, you are a person who's following Jesus. Shalom to all of us by his grace. The Lord Jesus, rise. Jesus saw in this man a saving faith. He, this man fell at his feet and worshiped him. It was God, thanked him, Jesus, for what he did. But let's talk about this word, Lord. And I'm taking basis on what I read in, in the Bible in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now, a lot of people, you see that in your Bibles, it's little L-O-R-D, not capital letters. And that means that if you confess that he's your master of everything, then you're actually saved. And there's a large contingency of Christians, I love you, that think that's what it means. That's not what this is saying, though. Confess that Jesus is Lord, L-O-R-D. Jesus is God in the flesh. And so we celebrate Christmas that God has come to live with us. God the Son, Emmanuel, God with us. And when you confess that Jesus is God and not just another prophet or just a person, but he is the Lord of life, who created the universe, that's saving faith. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that resurrection, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And it quotes Joel 2.32. For everyone who calls on the name of the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is the word for Yahweh in the Old Testament, you will be saved. Jesus is Yahweh, the Yahweh of the burning bush that Moses saw, the Yahweh that Isaiah saw when he saw Jesus' glory. Holy, holy, holy. Read about that. I think it's John chapter 8 where it talks about him seeing Jesus' glory in, in, uh, in Isaiah 6. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on Jesus because he is God in the flesh? 
Have you placed your faith for your eternal destiny and who he is that he came to die in your place for the ransom of your sins that you might be with him forever? That's salvation. His true identity, he is the Son, God the Son. And you give thanks to that expression. And so our salvation, no, it's not earned by gratitude. This man came and gave thanks. That didn't earn his salvation. Our salvation is by faith in Jesus alone, by faith alone, isn't it? And as I said, the Greek word for that is sozo, saved you. It's in the tense in the Greek which says it happened at a particular point in time, pluperfect, and it goes on and continuing results. At that very moment in time, that person became a new creature in Christ, and he is born again, and he is saved, and now there's going to be continuing results and effect and fruit in his life. He's going to be made whole as well as well. That's what he has in mind for us. Have you done that? Have you placed your faith in Jesus as Lord as your Savior today? I encourage you here and online, for all of us, just a moment, bow your heads. Would you do that with me, please? And just ask Jesus, Lord Jesus, to save you. Something, a prayer like this. Dear God, I'm scared, but I want to get to know you. I don't understand it all, but I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you were with me even when I didn't recognize it. And I thank you that you are for me, that you didn't send Jesus to condemn me, but to save me. Oh, Lord Jesus, I admit that I never realized I needed you as a Savior, but today I receive the gift of yourself, that God so loved the world that you sent, he sent you. I ask you to save me from my past, to save me from my regrets, to save me from my mistakes, to save me from my sins, to save me from my habits, to save me from my hurts and my hang-ups, and make me whole. I need you to take away the stress and fill me with your love. I need to be at peace with you, and I need to put, you, put your peace in my heart. I ask you now to come into my life and be my Savior forever. I ask you to save me for your purposes. I want to know why you put me on this planet and left me here. I want to fulfill what you made me to do. I want to learn to love you and trust you and have a relationship with you. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Did you pray that prayer today? He's coming to your heart. If you haven't, Today is the day of salvation. If you have, I'd like to know about it. So online, send me a note, Pastor Mike, HillsboroughFirstBaptistChurch.org, or just write a note, today I place my faith in Jesus, and let's get you founded. Take the spiritual gift class, because the moment you've placed your faith in Jesus, he not only saved you from eternity, uh, a future without God, he gave you his life, a great exchange, a great trade, and he gave you spiritual gifts to work in the body. So you need to take the next step. Your faith has made you whole. As a kid at 14, and when I placed my faith in Jesus, I thought there, that's all there was to it. For the next two years, my life was miserable because I was saved, but I lived like the devil. I'm not proud of that. I heard a lot of people, especially my parents, and he wants to make you shalom, to have the whole. You see, without faith, it is impossible to believe God. Well, I don't have a spiritual gift. I didn't feel it. <clears throat> I got a spiritual gift. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. And you place your faith in the fact that he has implanted in you a spiritual gift that you didn't have before you came to faith in Christ. It's not a talent like playing the piano. And praise God, people have those talents. 
It's not a talent like being a good business person, and praise God for people doing that, but it's a spiritual gifting that enables you to do marvelous things you never thought you were able to do. Do you know what it is? We're going to help you come to this class. We'll teach it again and again, but why not start now? The Grateful Samaritan leper receives spiritual healing in addition to physical healing. And he has a whole, a soul. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of works. Your salvation is the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I respond by believing that. And I like a couple of verses that encourage me in my faith, Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus. When he starts something in you, he wants you to finish it. And when you keep going out, out of your lane and keep going astray from the main path, why is my life so miserable? Get back in the traffic where you're supposed to be. Because he wants to complete what he began in you when he placed, you placed your faith in him. And also in Philippians 2, 12, 13, uh, 11 and 13, continue to work out your salvation. Not work for your salvation, but he's placed it inside of you, so work it out. Express it with fear, with reverence and trembling. Lord, how can I do this? By faith. For it is God who works in you to will, to want to do this. If you have a desire to do what pleases him, he put that desire there to will and to do his good pleasure. He gives you the desire to do it. He gives you the energy to do it. God does it all, but so many people are living the bland Christian life, not the abundant Christian life. It's just the normal routine of life, and this is how Christians normally live. But, but when people know what their gifts are and they're following Jesus, their eyes are on fire. There's a passion. There's a desire to serve him instead of, ho-hum, it's Sunday. Shall we go to church today? I don't know. What do you think? Is it Sunday yet? Let's go. That's God working in you. As it says in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship, his prize-winning trophy. He is the sculptor. You are the potter. I am the clay. You are the canvas. I am the canvas, and you're the artist. Paint me. Make me what you want me to be, Lord. Use me. <laughs> and we were created in Christ Jesus to do those good works. God prepared in advance for us to do, and I'm telling you, if you're my age or older, he still has some good works for you to do. He's not done with you. He makes us evergreen, producing fruit in our old age, it says in Psalms, doesn't it? It also says those with gray hair. I don't qualify. Anyway, God is rich in his mercy, and he made us alive in Christ Jesus because we've been saved. This grateful Samaritan leper was born again. And someday, I hope to meet him in heaven, don't you? And I kind of, in my hopefully sanctified imagination, if I run across this guy and he doesn't have a mask on and I can get closer than six feet from him, I'm going to give him a hug. And I'm going to say, tell me about, I read about you in Luke 17. And I've been dying to meet you, literally dying to meet you <laughs> for I don't know how long, but here you are, so tell me. 
Tell me your story. I want to hear you tell me. And then I'm going to kind of put into it a song that I love. And I said, so do you know Andre Crouch's My Tribute? Yeah. So would it be okay if I say to the congregation that as you went your way, you were singing, how can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved that you gave to prove your love for me. The voices of a thousand angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. He healed me of leprosy and my flesh. He healed me of my leprous spirit. He made me whole. To God be the glory. For the things you have done with your blood, you have saved me. With your power, you've raised me. To God be the glory for the things you have done. Oh, just let me live. Let me be pleasing, Lord, to you. And if I gain any glory, any praise, let it go to Calvary. Would you, lepers, would you sing that? <laughs> Who that good Samaritan leper sing? I, I, now I, I know the song, Mike. Yeah, we could sing that. But couldn't you sing it today? I'm, Gary, I want to do something right now. I want to ask you, for Thanksgiving, if you have a copy of this song, or you can go online, you can do all those kind of things. Bring a, extreme, what do you do that? How do you get it on computer? I, I'm going to, however you do it, I'm going to ask you to go along with the Lord and play that song out loud to Him and see if that doesn't improve your thankfulness to God. There's so many great songs about thank. Give thanks with a grateful heart. So many songs. To sing those songs of praise that you might not be that arrogant, I did it my way song, but God, you did it your way, for you are the way, the truth, and the life. What I'd like you to do right now after the moments we have left is I just want you to talk to the Lord about this. Right where we're sitting, just bow your heads for a moment, please. And I'd just like you to say something like this, Lord, I want to thank you, but I really don't know how to do it right. Can you just speak to me and, and show me? Would you just pray something like that? Help me be thankful today. Show me how, what to say, what to write, what to sing. And then also, would you just ask him, Lord, make me a good, a grateful Samaritan leper that I would go and tell my family and friends about this Jesus. It's a wonderful experience you can, to, to experience the, the miracle of physical healing, and some have. And it's even more wonderful experience to, to know the miracle of eternal salvation. But this is true. A grateful heart is good soil for His Word to have deep seed and roots in your life. It opens our eyes to see, wow, 
I love these colors in the stained glass. It's so, I especially love the red. That's cool. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the ability to appreciate color and art and beauty and that you are the beautiful. I want to, as C.S. Lewis goes, I want to go where the, the place where, where beauty was created. I want to go there. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that appreciation for beauty. And when you have that thankful spirit, you know what that does, I think? I've experienced it. As I'm thankful, I begin to experience his peace instead of my stress. I begin to be aware of his presence. Am I not sending you? Am I not going with you? And that puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? There's, as we're saying, there's no battle. We can't fight. It's, it's without the Holy Spirit empowering us to do it. Giving thanks leads us to deeper worship of God and makes our hearts more grateful that we might experience His peace and His presence. Those powerful moments of thankful awe to me are generators of, of I want to please you, Lord. I love you. <laughs> You're here with me. And you're with me, you're for me, and I thank you. No matter what troubles I'm going through or what struggles I have, I look up and thank you that you got this and, and you've got me. And with Paul, we can say, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, thank God for his three gift of salvation. And may you receive his blessings of thankfulness and joy and peace evermore because of these words that Jesus spoke. Rise and go. Your faith has healed you. Lord God, we go now in that hope and that joy with a song in our heart in Jesus' name. Let's stand.